Welcome to Red Pill Torah, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. As believers in the Elohim of Israel, we need to avoid sin like it's the plague. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. But what should happen if we, as believers, do sin? Should we be avoided? Or should we be tolerated, treated in a non-judgmental way and kindly, the way many people believe Yeshua would do it? Let's talk about it. If you didn't know, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Understanding and believing the Torah gives context to the rest of the Bible. And the Bible is all about Yeshua the Messiah. Mm-hmm. You can email us at redpilltorah at gmail.com. Find us at our website, www.redpilltorah.com. Follow us on redpilltorah.podbean.com. On Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, or wherever you hear your favorite podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And a big shalom to our listeners in Delaware and Denmark. Listen out for Red Pill Torah on a radio station near you. Red Pill Torah is an outreach of B'nai Ephraim Messianic Ministries and Assembly. At the time of this recording, the Torah readings have been in the book known as Leviticus. The Hebrew name of Leviticus is Vayikra, which means, and he called. The name Vayikra comes from the very first verse of chapter 1. It was Yehovah who called, and it was Moshe to whom Yehovah was calling. The book of Vayikra seems misunderstood in many circles. Maybe it's the animal offerings. I doubt if many believers have ever scaled a fish, let alone slaughtered a little baby lamb or a baby goat. For more perspective on the animal offerings, and the ministry of Yeshua, check out Red Pill Torah episode 182, Did the Messiah End the Temple? It touches on misunderstandings many believers have when it comes to temple worship and its role after the resurrection of Yeshua. Regarding the book of Vayakra, it focuses on drawing closer to Yehovah. We know that Israel, when they left Egypt, traveled through the wilderness while living in Sukkot, or tents. The Creator wanted to travel with them, so He showed Moshe a vision of His throne room in heaven and told Moshe to make a tent for Him, following the pattern of His throne room. Elohim placed special wisdom in two particular men who oversaw the construction of the tent, or tabernacle, as some call it. When it was finished and properly dedicated, Yehovah Elohim moved in. Then, His visible presence was in the center of Israel's encampments. Now, having Elohim's holy presence among them, Israel could not live any old kind of way. Leviticus, or Vayikra, documents the instructions of Jehovah that taught Israel how to live close to Him and how to approach His holy presence. Not long ago, we discussed the chapters that talked about how to handle the people with Sarah'at, or leprosy, as translated in the King James Bible. We learned that this type of element was a physical manifestation of an internal spiritual problem. There was some issue under the surface that made this disease show up on the skin as a white blotch. In the Torah, we read about Miriam, Moshe's sister, who developed a case of Sarah'at after complaining about Moshe's wife. The underlying issue was the condition of Miriam's heart, which became evident after she spoke the words of complaining. Another example is in 2 Kings chapter 5. In that chapter, we read about Naaman, captain of the armies of Syria. 
The Bible describes him as a great man with his master and honorable. It also says that Naaman was a leper. As his story unfolds, we learn that Naaman had an issue with pride. When Naaman humbled himself and dipped seven times in the dirty-looking Jordan River, his flesh was healed and became like a child's flesh. These are two of several stories involving lepers in the Bible. Leviticus gives clear instructions regarding handling cases of leprosy or tzara'at in the camp of believers. Chapters 13 through parts of 15 detail the procedures. Priests were required to examine potential cases of tzara'at to determine exactly what the issue was. The examinations typically took days to complete. The priests had to re-examine to see if the issue had spread over a larger area after some days. They had to check to determine if the issue was superficial, limited to the skin, or if it went deeper into the underlying flesh. For the protection of the people in the camp, the leper had to stay outside of the camp. In today's way of speaking, we call that quarantining. Most of us are familiar with that word as it relates to the COVID protocols. Like many other health-related protocols, we find the practices of things like quarantining in the Bible. We also find standards for hygiene and cleanliness. Washing was a part of the preparation for the priests in service, as well as for lepers in their purification process. As Elohim will allow, we hope to talk more about the mikvah and immersion, which many churches call baptism in a future podcast. For now, just know that cleanliness was a requirement for being in the presence of the Most High, and it was part of the cleansing of a leopard. Some believers may wonder, what's the point of reading about all of those rituals and diseases? Most of us may never see a leper in our lifetimes, so some may question, why should we care about all that stuff? Others may feel that the examinations and quarantining are mean-spirited, meant to shame the leper. Those are examples of trying to pass judgment on the ways of the Father, which is never a wise thing to do. If we can only have hearts to want to obey Him above all, that's a huge blessing. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can even begin to understand why Elohim does some of what He does, or how His remedies work. If so, that is an extra special blessing. We really should be like Naaman, the Syrian commander of the armed forces, he suspended his judgment of the prophet's directions, which were really from Jehovah, and he simply obeyed the instructions. With that, he was healed of his leprosy. Daddy, in our Western way of trying to figure everything out, we missed the point of the Father's instructions for handling cases of leprosy. It wasn't meant to punish the leopard. It was meant to protect the rest of the people from uncleanness. If we assume that the COVID-19 protocols are meant to prevent the spread of the virus, how could we miss the intent of Elohim's instructions? We see the heart of the Father played out in the Son's response to leprosy. Let's read a story from Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 44. It says, A man afflicted with Sarah came to Yeshua and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Yeshua reached out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing. Be cleansed. Instantly, the Sarah'at left him, and he was cleansed. Daddy, 
I can imagine his white blotches immediately disappearing and his skin being restored to its even and healthy complexion, just like he did with Moses' hand. Yeshua sent him away with this stern warning. See to it that you tell no one. Instead, as a testimony to the people, go and let the priests examine you and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded. Mama, that's a great story. I noticed that Yeshua still had the cleansed man go to the priest for an examination. Yeshua also told the man to make the offering that Moshe commanded in the book of Leviticus. So much for the Messiah doing away with the law. Yeah. We see Elohim's heart when Yeshua answered the leper's request, saying, I am willing to make you clean. Yeshua got rid of the uncleanness and allowed the former leper to rejoin the people of Israel. Now, earlier in this podcast, we mentioned that leprosy in the Bible was a visible sign of a deeper problem. Yeshua described that deeper problem when he taught about what makes a person unclean. Let's read Matthew 15 when the Pharisees tried to rebuke Yeshua because the disciples ate without washing their hands. Starting at verse 10, it says, Then Yeshua called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand this. What makes a person unclean is not what goes into his mouth. Rather, what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Tim, the disciples still didn't understand, so Yeshua broke it down for them. Reading from verse 17, it says, Don't you see that anything that enters the mouth goes into the stomach and passes out into the latrine or the toilet? But what comes out of your mouth is actually coming from your heart, and that is what makes a person unclean. For out of the heart comes forth wicked thoughts, murder, adultery, and other kinds of sexual immorality, theft, lies, slanders, These are what really make a person unclean. But eating without washing one's hands does not make a person unclean. Just like Sarah'at, or leprosy, could be spread through Israel, uncleanness from our hearts can be spread through the body of believers. Through failing to follow Elohim's instructions for living, our bad example might cause others to stumble. Also, if we teach bad doctrine, like telling people that the Torah is not relevant today, we cause others to fall short of the holy lifestyle that Jehovah expects from us. As members of the community of Israel, we are individually responsible for stopping the spread, the spread of sin among the holy people of Elohim. So, what would you do if you discovered that the way you live your life and some of your beliefs were out of line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill and follow the Sunday school lesson your church purchased teaching the children that the Old Testament is great for life lessons, but should not be taken literally? Or would you take the red pill and stop the spread of uncleanness by teaching the young people and all the people about the standards of holiness as the Bible outlines them? Only you can answer that question. In Matthew chapter 18, Yeshua gave the method for keeping uncleanness or sin out of our camps. Reading from verse 15, it says, If your brother commits a sin against you, go and show him his fault, but privately, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won back your brother. If he doesn't listen, take one or two others with you so that every accusation can be supported by the testimony of two or three witnesses. 
If he refuses to hear them, tell the congregation. And if he refuses to listen to even the congregation, treat him as you would a pagan or tax collector. Mama, the believers are acting as priests, examining the person who has introduced uncleanness in the camp. If they are able to convince the person to stop their sinful behavior, all is good. If the person holds on to the uncleanness, after a series of examinations, that person has to leave the camp. The goal of the process is to restore the unclean person back to right standing in Yeshua, if possible. If they won't be cleansed or repent and be made whole, then they have to go and they have to take the uncleanness with them. When we repent and put our trust in Yeshua, Yehovah is willing to make us clean. The question is, are we willing to be made clean and stay clean? Are we willing to go beyond behavior control to renewing our minds as the scripture teaches? Do we recognize our individual responsibility to the body of believers to keep uncleanness out of the camp? Those are really good questions. And that's all we have time for today. Please reread the scriptures we talked about and share Red Pill Tour with a friend. Thanks for listening to Red Pill Tour where you can handle the truth.